The following episode is one of 10 sample programs podcast as a public service of FocusedPassion.com. Get an even higher education, including courses in personal empowerment and self-mastery at FocusedPassion.com. Remember the E-D, that's FocusedPassion.com. Welcome to another episode in our personal empowerment audio series, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Hi, I'm Michael Benner. And I'm Steve Snyder. And our program today is entitled, Resistance is Futile. What we're saying basically is that what you resist persists. And it makes sense. I mean, resisting something you don't want makes sense. I I don't want it, so I'm going to resist it. It's logical, but it doesn't really work because, you see, when you accept something, you can feel free and let it go and start focusing on what you want to have instead. But when you resist something, you continue to focus on the thing you're resisting, and that continues to perpetuate it. One of the ways this occurs to me is the difference between moving away from what you don't want and moving toward what you do want. And I think in personal development, it's real clear that knowing only what you don't want and trying to avoid failure is not moving toward what you do want. There's, <laughs> that's a, Avoiding what you don't want is not a goal. And yet the laws of mind are such that if you're always looking at what you don't want so as to avoid it, well, you tend to move in that direction anyway. We see this in sports. We see this in so many different areas. A skiing, for example, any skateboarder or motorcycle rider will tell you that you go where you look. So there are appropriate times in our lives, of course, to look at what we don't want for a moment or two, but we have to dwell on the positive because that's just the way the mind is wired. Indeed, and as we resist something and continue to focus upon it, what we're basically saying is that we're unhappy with the is being what it is. That's what resistance is. You're not resisting something that isn't. You're resisting something that is. You're refusing to accept it as a reality, as what is. And that resistance is what causes most pain. Most pain comes from not allowing the is to be. Now, we think if I give in to the is, whatever it is that I don't want in my life, and I give in and accept it, then I'm stuck with it. But in fact, it's resisting it that makes us stuck with it. If we give in and accept that this is what it is right now, then I can feel free to move on to what I'd rather change it into. But as long as I try and push it away, try to not understand it, And that fear that comes from not understanding it causes me to continue to resist it, to continue to not understand it. It gets into a cycle, and then we stick with what we have, which is what we say we don't want. (laughs) It's really amazing. It's paradoxical. In one sense, it's, it's comical, but it can also be tragic because the very fear and hurt and upset, uh, all the negativity in our lives that we often experience is holding on to us is really the result of us holding on to it. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm going to try to throw something away, I have to hold on to it before I can throw it away. But part of the law of mind is that if you don't understand it, you can't really lose something. There's got to be a modicum of understanding before you can let something go. And especially the Western world... Uh, There's so much St. George and the Dragons, so much conquering, so much killing the enemy 
that the idea of letting go of what doesn't serve us through understanding is still a little bit foreign in the culture, I think. Yeah, surrender sounds like failure. You know, it sounds like giving up instead of just giving in. What we have to do is let go physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, actually let go of something. And the way to do that is to accept it for what it is. It is what it is. Once we get that it is what it is, we can now move on to making it something different. But until we accept that it is what it is, if we resist it being what it actually is, then we're stuck right there. And this happens in so many different ways. I mean, we manifest our resistance in things like... um, avoidance and procrastination and uh, denial, denial defensiveness. All the defensiveness, all these different ways. I mean, we, we walk out of the room, we have to go to the bathroom, we, we overeat, we drink, we take drugs. There's so many different things we do because we don't want to look at something that we're afraid of, that we don't want to step outside of our comfort zone. Resistance is basically saying, I don't want to move outside of my comfort zone. And it's really not a comfort zone. Again, the paradox continues. You're not comfortable. It's the familiar zone. That's exactly right. We've talked about this before. We call it a comfort zone, or maybe the psychotherapeutic community gets the blame for inventing that. But we're not comfortable. In fact, I've noticed with clients that were so traumatized, so depressed, that they had managed to numb themselves to pretty much all of their emotions especially guys who had been able to create a a kind of a mastery, it would manifest itself as paralysis by analysis, just refusing to allow themselves to feel for a variety of reasons, in part because only girls feel, right? And the worst thing you can call a little boy is a little girl, so we've got lots of conditioning that says don't feel, don't feel, don't feel. And so a lot of us get pretty good at that. I, you know, you ask a guy how he feels, he'll often tell you what he thinks. But my point is, there's a hurt or an ache that goes with refusing to feel. And it's a little baffling. It's like, hey, if I'm numb, if I don't feel anything, then why does that hurt? How could it hurt not to feel? Paradoxical, but, you know... A simple word resolves all paradox, and it's just true. Both things are true. And oddly, when you accept that, the suffering tends to fall away. Allow yourself to feel, and it doesn't hurt. Refuse to allow yourself to feel, it hoits. It is a paradox. And that's really an important concept because resistance doesn't mean not thinking about it. It's just, in fact, you're thinking and thinking and thinking about it. Resistance is being unwilling to feel about it. What you're resisting is the pain, the emotional hurt or the anger or the fear or the disgust or the contempt or whatever that negative feeling is that you don't want to feel. That's what you're resisting. I don't want to feel those things. In and, any real depth, any meaningful depth, right. that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't want to go any deeper into them. I already see that that it's painful over there. It hurts enough on top. (laughs) I don't want to go into that. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's like that's the only solution. George Harrison said it's so far out. The way out is in. The only way to get through stuff like that is to go into it. It can't hurt you 
unless you give it permission to. That is, unless you allow it to cause you to hold your breath and tighten your muscles and cause yourself pain, it doesn't really have the power to hurt you. If you breathe into it, if you allow yourself to be relaxed, if you approach it from this place of paradise where you find your higher self that can handle these kinds of feelings, you can go into all these feelings very, very deeply without any resistance, just total acceptance of all the feelings that are there. It won't hurt you, and in fact, you'll emerge on the other side with an amazing resistance to the resistance. You don't have to resist it anymore. Now you have an acceptance of it as part of what you know you can handle because you just did. Yeah, we can prove this to ourselves. I proved it to myself when I began to experiment with, and I think initially it really was a little experiment, hypnoanesthesia, pain control at the dentist. And I remembered, even though I'd taken Silva Mind Control in the early 70s and by the early 80s was working with you and Sherman Oaks at Live and Learn and learning so much about the state of mind we can move into when we feel safe and relaxed and we use breathing and a feeling of letting go to create a state where we're amenable to suggestion. And... So let's try it at the dentist. I've heard this really works. And if I could get just a a nice picture in my mind, well, how do you get a picture of no pain? All right, well, I thought some of the classical techniques are like imagining the area frozen in crushed ice. Or maybe I could imagine throwing switches, like I imagine those big knife switches in the old Frankenstein movies, those giant, imagine little versions of that inside my mouth. And uh, then also gave myself verbal suggestions, albeit silently in my own head. I'm giving myself positive suggestions. And for a while, it was no pain, no, how did I say it? No pain, no discomfort. But then I realized there's got to be a better way of, of 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 doing this without invoking the very thing I'm trying to avoid. I got to only pleasant and pleasurable feelings. And the fact was, when I allowed myself to feel how it felt, the dentist's drill and what he was doing, I could relax to the point where I could always feel what was going on, but never feel anything that I would describe as pain. It was as if I felt it, but at a certain point where it would have otherwise become painful, that part was cut off somehow. But if I resisted feeling anything at all, all of a sudden, my back would begin to arch, my muscles would tighten, I would white-knuckle the armrests of the dentist chair, And sure enough, that's when the sensation came back. Now I'm starting to feel more pain. It's the resistance to pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or a spiritual lesson we need to learn. It's the resistance that hurts. Yeah, pain is a great metaphor for that because if you allow yourself to call it something else, call it pleasurable pressure or something instead of pain, find a different name for it, it... it, It doesn't really hurt. I mean, there's a threshold. We all have a pain threshold. Every human being has a different one. And there's a, there's a point at which if you were tortured, it would, you'd, you'd call it pain, you know. But we have a tremendous latitude in terms of what we call simple discomfort and where we draw the line and cross that line and call it pain. And I remember I, I do regular body work and I have, uh, do resistance training and stretching and all that kind of stuff. And, and in, when I first started, my muscles were very, very stiff. And he would stretch me out 
it really hurt. I mean, like it, like a muscle cramp hurt. You know, it really hurt. Now I experience that same feeling. It's the same level of intensity, but it doesn't hurt anymore. You know, it's no. It's not, it because before I was anticipating that it was going to happen, and I started tightening up my body, and I started holding my breath, and then my brain said, "This is going to be dangerous," and and it amplified the power of that pain. And now I go, "Well, I know it's going to be less than what I've experienced before, and that wasn't a big deal." So, so now I'm relaxed and I'm breathing, and my brain takes that same amount of pressure, but now it calls it uh, a little stretch. You know, it doesn't hurt. It just doesn't hurt because I don't think it does. A classic yin and yang around Eastern and Western cultures can be seen in this very thing, Steve. What you're describing often is called yoga, the hatha yoga, the asanas that you do. There's other fields now that have come out of that. People talk about Pilates and Feldenkrais and movement awareness. But look at the West. What does the West do? We're Charles Atlas. We do the bodybuilding. We want to bulk up. Right, even beyond the point where we become, especially guys, muscle bound. Now, ideally, a little of both, a little training to build up those muscles, but also some flexing, as in yoga. That's what we need to understand as East meets West in this and so many other areas of life to find that better balance and stretching and letting go. That's where the strength comes from, is much more than bulking up and making a muscle look big. So the metaphor of stretching, going outside of your familiar zone into the places that you don't let yourself explore, is where your greatest growth comes from. I mean, how do you know where you can grow? Well, what are you resisting? You know, whatever it is that you're afraid to do or look at or feel, feel really is the key. Whatever it is you're afraid to feel about yourself, that's where your greatest growth comes from. You know, you had a great quote around uh, your greatest Gifts come in the places you're most afraid to look or something like that. I mean, The best parts of you are hidden where you're most afraid to look. Yeah, so, so that's where the real power comes in. And if we try to move through our resistance in a normal waking consciousness, it's scary because at the same time we're multitasking. That is, there's a voice that's going, this hurts, or, uh, and, and you've got a bunch of things going on at the same time, back and forth, back and forth. You don't feel safe. Your ego takes over and says, this could hurt, this is unknown, it's, it could be dangerous, let's, let's watch out for this, let's be wary. But, you know, when you go to paradise, when you go to a place where you feel safe and the ego can sort of sit down and take a load off and relax and not have to worry, we know it's safe in here, and the higher self can emerge, the part that always feels safe, because, well, there is really no danger except for real, true, clear, and present dangers, and it knows the autopilot fight or flight will kick in if that happens. So the higher self feels safe, and it feels safe enough to pursue those things you resist. So to expect yourself to work through your resistance in your normal day, it's just not going to happen. But if you have the intention of working through those things you're resisting, those things that are causing you to procrastinate or causing you to be defensive or causing you to avoid things, if you're wanting to approach those things, then you need to do it in paradise. Because, you know, the basic classic resistance is, I know I, I want to change, but I don't feel like it. In the newsletter last week, we mentioned the serenity prayer uh, popularized by the 12-step program all around the world. And in that prayer, 
one asks for the wisdom to know the difference between what you can change and what you cannot change, what you have no control over. And that's part of this, too. The resistance that comes from trying to change what you cannot change, you do need wisdom to look into that. Uh, A presence of mind, some might say common sense, but it's not all that common, really. What does that mean? To know the difference between what you can change and what you cannot change. Well, one thing you cannot change is something that's already happened. And yet, can you think of times in your life, or maybe you've seen it in other people, where they, as Steve was saying before, just get into some sort of denial about it? They refuse to accept that it could happen or that it had the impact that it really uh, did? Or... Something a little more immediate, accepting that you have no control over what's happening to you right now, except maybe to duck or dodge or get out of the way. You don't have any ability to counteract or 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 react against the stimulus. We're going to talk about a response instead of a reaction in just a minute here. But to resist what's already happened because you refuse to accept it, to resist what's happening right now because it's scary to accept it. This is where a lot of our pain is found, and it's self-imposed. We're causing it. That friction comes from you digging in your heels, refusing to accept what's already happened or what's clearly happening now when you just have little or no influence and no real control over it. And because it's unknown and you're afraid of it, you don't want to go there. You don't want to feel it. And that's very understandable, and that's part of your ego's job is to let you know not to go to places that you're afraid of and scared of. And and so, again, in your daily life, you can't do this. You really can't approach those things you've been avoiding. You really can't move on those things you've been procrastinating. You really can't accept those things you've been denying in the normal waking beta state. You have to get out of your own way because the resistance is coming from part of you that you can turn down the volume on. And really, it almost makes no sense to motivate yourself to do something before you've lowered your resistance. It's like getting really, really strong so you can go upriver when it would be a whole lot easier to just find a way to go downriver. You know, it's like go with the flow. There's much less resistance when you go with the flow. It's fighting the river. It's fighting the is. It's not accepting what is as is that causes the pain, that causes the difficulty. So It all starts with uh, getting out of your own way by getting out of the normal waking beta state and moving into this paradise place, this alpha state. And in this place, the higher self can emerge, the ego can quiet down, and the higher self can handle approaching those things that the ego is afraid of because the higher self's not afraid of feeling things. Well, now, here's the good news. Even if there are things that have happened to us, that we're having a hard time accepting, or things happening now, and yeah, i got to accept there's not much I can do about this situation other than to maybe avoid a direct hit and jump out of the way a little bit. You do have control. You have choices over how you look at it and what you do with it. Understand the threeness of this model. Stimulus, perception, response. You have little or no influence over stimulus. You can't control the weather. You could dress for it. 
That's what we're talking about in so many areas of your life. It's frustrating to admit you can't control other people. Maybe you've succeeded at times to influence or persuade or even bully somebody, but it's a a lot of work and rarely really worth it compared to all the benefits that come from getting cooperation in a proactive way. So look at where you do have choice. You have choice in how you look at it, your perspective, your point of view. This is attitude, really. You get to choose your attitude. Nobody can take that away from you. You have the freedom to choose how to frame this, how to look at it. You'll always have that. That's pretty wonderful. And you can choose your response, which Steve and I like to distinguish as different from a reaction. The reaction being rather reflexive, knee-jerk, without really thinking about it. A response is even-tempered and well-reasoned. It can happen quickly, but nevertheless, it's a conscious response, whereas reaction I tend to think of as reflexive and unconscious. So there's your good news. It's just a matter of what are you putting your attention on. You get so focused on trying to control the stimulus, you can easily forget that you have the freedom to make these choices of your attitude and your response. So when you take a look at those areas that you are resisting, uh, those things that you resist, those ways that you resist, a a, a nice little breakdown, I think, a way of looking at it is dividing it into these two kinds of resistance. There's someone called it state resistance and trait resistance. Now, state resistance is whenever, when you're in that like defensive mood, you're feeling upset, you're feeling angry, you're feeling afraid, you're feeling nervous, and anxious, and, and so you resist virtually everything because you're not feeling safe right now. Trait resistance is where there's this one area of your life you've always resisted, no matter what mood you're in, no matter what state of mind you're in, you just don't want to go there. You just want to look at that relationship you had with your dad, or you just don't want to look at that time you, you unceremoniously dumped that girlfriend, or whatever, whatever that thing that makes you ashamed or have remorse or regret about. So, so there are certain areas of our lives that we like put a lock and a key on, and we don't want to go there at all. And then there are certain times in our lives, certain moods and attitudes in our lives where we don't want to go anywhere at all. So when you are starting to examine the things in your life you resist, start with the idea of, do I always resist this sort of thing? Is this a generalized area of resistance for me? Or do I just resist it when I'm feeling a certain way, when I'm feeling unsafe or unsure of myself? That's an, an interesting place to begin. So take resistance, for example, that you have to exploring some worry you have in the future. Whatever it is, some worry you have, and you keep thinking about it, but you don't really want to go into how painful it would be if it actually happened, to to imagine it and to really allow yourself to accept the possibility that it's real, it could happen. It's only in that acceptance that it could happen that you can let it go and not move toward it, not be attracted by it. As long as you keep thinking about it as a possibility and hold on to it and resist feeling it, then you're attracting it to you. So... Pick something that's painful, something that you've been afraid to look at in your life, and allow yourself to go to paradise and take one little step deeper into it. You don't have to go through the whole thing today. You don't have to, the first time you explore this resistance you have, you don't have to learn everything there is to learn about it. But just opening up to the idea of, I'm going to go into this a little bit deeper, feel a little bit more of the feeling that I'm afraid of, that opens the door. And and it makes it even easier next time and easier the time after that. (laughs) 
Nothing absolves fear better than an understanding of the important role fear plays in our lives. Indeed. It's our guide. Now, my friend Andrew Harvey said to me once, he said, I do believe it's important to follow your heart, but I think it's even more important to follow your heartache. And (laughs) one of the reasons I love Andrew is he comes up with these really profound uh, revelations from the contemplation that he does. It's our fear that instructs us. It's what we're afraid to even look at or think about to experience, even in our imaginations, that is the source of so much of our pain and so many of the problems that we then project on the world and look out into the world to try to rationalize this immobility, this difficulty, this maybe failure by blaming it on these external elements when it's all made up, it's all invented. It's born of a refusal to allow yourself to follow the fear. In one of the Harry Potter books, I think it's Ron, the character Ron, that is told that he has to follow the spiders into the deepest, darkest, most haunted forest. And he goes, follow the spiders? Why can't it ever be following the butterflies? Well, sorry, Ron, I can sympathize. That's just the way life is. This is why so much of Eastern philosophy is hung on what's often called the spiritual warrior or the hero's journey, because each and every one of us ultimately is alone unless and until we begin to look at our fear and to follow that fear and to go deeper. Like Steve said, it doesn't have to be all at once, just a little dip each time, just going a little deeper and a little deeper, okay? You're built for this. You're built for this. You have all the equipment. You can go to pieces. You're not going to fall apart. This is something that you will find out you're really quite good at doing. Following your fear to what Joseph Conrad called the heart of darkness, the very center, the most terrifying part. And then guess what happens? Voila, a breakthrough. It's almost like a game, and you realize that in your life and in the universe in general, this has all been rigged, that fear was the universe's way to get you to look at what you needed to learn and weren't willing to learn any other way. And it's the best way to learn it. It it really is. I mean, you can intellectually begin to understand it more and more and more, but you never really get rid of it that way. You can intellectually know why you feel what you feel, but until you feel it, until you go into the feelings, you're not going to dissipate them. You've got to go into them and through them to dissipate them. So whatever it is that you are resisting, and it's obvious, I mean, it's pretty obvious, what are you procrastinating? What are you denying? What are you avoiding? You know, what makes you defensive and what makes you want to not do it? It's pretty obvious what you're resistant. And I never met anybody who didn't have some resistance to some things. Take a chance. Take a risk. Close your eyes. Go to Alpha and say, I'm going to go a little bit into this, just a little bit. I can always back out. I don't have to go all the way. I'm, but I'm going to go a little into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel a little more scared than I've let myself feel about maybe something bad happening to my wife or to my children. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow myself to be a little more um, angry about uh, something that happened to me a long time ago that I've been like bottling up inside that I haven't allowed myself to experience. You 
can be as angry as you want to be in this alpha state, in this paradise place. You can release massive amounts of anger without hurting anybody, without, including yourself. In fact, just with an amazing healing process, it goes, you can take yourself deeper into the sadness that you didn't let yourself feel when you lost a loved one. Those kinds of things cause us to resist the kinds of things that we really want to become and do in our lives. So go deep, heal the stuff that's blocking you, and just the the amazing surge of energy that comes from releasing all that pain will take you forward into your dreams. I remember, Steve, I wanted to say the first time this ever happened for me, I think the first time I really understood the process was, um, I haven't told the story in a long, long time, but... I remember it clearly because it was such an epiphany. And it had to do with this propane barbecue grill that I'd finally purchased after years of messing with the charcoal. And it was a few hundred dollars, and I wasn't making all that much money. This was 20, 25 years ago, right? You can buy them for the same amount now that they cost back then. So that was a big deal. And, you know, I had this thing for a year and a half or two, and I went out to light it and, and and preheat it and get it all ready for some dinner I was going to barbecue. And as I came in from the balcony into the house, I had this flash of fear. It felt sort of like a shadow passing over me. Like, have you ever been outdoors when a small single-engine plane flew over the top of you and you could see the shadow of the plane? It was like that. It was this brief shadow, this deep Fear, it didn't really hurt, it just felt like fear, and it felt powerful, but it didn't last very long. And I thought, whoa, what is that? What was that about? And why didn't it stick around? Usually I'm expecting if it's a big fear, it's going to stick around. What was that about? Just this little flash, this little peak. And I thought, well, I've got 10 or 15 minutes before the barbecue's ready for the food, so might as well sit out and follow it. So I closed my eyes, relaxed, as we teach people to do every week, sort of down the rabbit hole. And suddenly, Stephen, it was like the top of my head came open and poured into the top of my brain was this instant awareness. It started with my mother's voice saying, if you take care of it, it'll last forever. And so on one level, what that little shadow was about was fear that this thing's getting pretty old and grody. Right, But on a deeper level, what I realized at the same time was, thanks for the good intention, Mom, I'll try to take care of my stuff, but you've got it backwards. It's not material stuff that lasts forever. It's me. I last forever. The part of me that is conscious, anyway. And instead of being concerned with just buying and consuming and, and acquiring all this stuff I can't take with me, I'm going to begin to dedicate myself to collecting that which I can take with me, which is wonderful memories of rich relationships. And all of that will arrived in a, a, a twinkling of an eye as a result of my willingness to follow that little shadow. 
pretty wonderful when when life gives us these little previews of coming attractions like that. Like, take a look here, you know, a little little, uh, wake-up call. Most people don't follow those wake-up calls. Most people are too busy to take those few minutes to sit down, close their eyes, and explore those things. But that's a great doorway in when you feel those pangs of fear, when you feel those, you know, like things that cause you to stop and get scared for a moment. When that happens, that's a good time, if you can, to either right now or as soon as possible sit down and explore in these altered states of consciousness that you know we call paradise in fact i think it's uh, about time to do that right now i think we need to explore how safe you feel to go into those things you've been resisting to go into those feelings you've been unwilling to feel how safe it is to do that here in this incredibly wonderful place of paradise so close your eyes get comfortable few shoulder shrugs and a couple of head rolls in each direction and think of yourself as sitting straight but not rigidly so. No tight muscles so you're sitting straight because you're well balanced and your shoulders are back and you're feeling really comfortable in this position. And if you want, maybe you can pound the pillows a little this way and that and get the support that allows you to sit nice and straight. But you can sit back and be supported by those pillows. But feel balanced. Feel centered as you take a second and then a third slow, deep breath. Just slow it all down, right? Nice, slow rhythm. And create a sense of relaxation, of deep peace, and of feeling really, really safe. And in this safe place of paradise, your ego can stand down, no longer needing to be vigilant and watching all around. Your ego can take a nap, rest. There's no job right now to do. It's absolutely safe right here. It's totally safe for you. And as the ego quiets, the higher self comes through. The part of you that knows you're not your thoughts, you're not your feelings or your body or what you own or possess. Your higher self knows that it's above all that. It's all that and much more. It's your very best. It's the part that is aware, the part that can see all the different aspects of who you choose to be. And from this higher self place, you feel totally safe to explore all those things or any of those things that you've been resisting before. So what it is that causes you to stop or hesitate What is it that causes you to always procrastinate? What is it that makes you defensive or feel the need to deny? What is it? What is it? You don't need to know why. Just what is it that causes you to resist? And in this state, your mind, if you insist, will explore what it's been afraid to before. It'll go deeper into the feelings and thereby start the healing. And the deeper and the deeper you go, 
the more you heal yourself and let the love flow. Consider that life is a two-way street. Part of life is what's coming at you, happens to you, or is done to you. Part of it is what comes out of you, what you offer to and contribute to the world around you. You have much more opportunity and responsibility to choose your response, your freedom, your choices are in how you look at your perspective or point of view, what's happening to you, and the responses that you consciously choose. That's where your power is. To look only at the side of life that's coming at you and hold on for dear life to a victim mentality, promoting the frustration, the anger, and the fear of not being able to control what's already happened and having very little influence and control over what's happening to you now. Accept that. Find the wisdom to know the difference. This is what happened. I accept that. And that's a beginning, not an end. This is what's happening now. I have very little control over it. Accept that. It's where you begin. It's not an ending. And now turn and look at your attitude. And then your response. These two areas, you have the freedom, the responsibility to choose an outcome, a result. To manifest a reality, not merely as a reaction to what's been done to you, but to initiate a response, a proactive initiation of a whole new cycle of activity. Be the initiate. Be the initiator. Put your focus on what you can do. And accept what you cannot. For your pain comes from resisting the is. Acceptance is the way to your bliss. Acceptance sets you free and allows your mind to see the way you'd rather it be. As you resist, you hold on to what is. The release allows the bliss. And release comes as you simply must do things that let you feel free. Release the breath, release the tension, release the anxiety. One deep breath begins it all. Whatever you're resisting, giant or small, 
starts with one deep breath and a step toward the thing that you've been avoiding. One deep breath and one step toward. And you begin the healing. So whatever it is that causes you to stop or quit or procrastinate, whatever it is in between you and being the kind of great that you wish to be, whatever it is that allows you to stop yourself from that reality, take one step toward it. Feel it a little more. One step toward it and begin to explore how it feels. And as you do, that's what heals. One step, one breath, and the healing begins. Imagine how it feels to play a game of tug of war. You know, the simple rope game where the same number of people pull in opposite directions. And imagine that you got caught up in this game and you really don't want to play it, but it's a team effort and people are counting on you. They're relying on you to pull your share of the load. So you get into it and you pull and you pull. Of course, the other team pulls back, and it seems the harder you pull, the harder they pull. Neither neither side wants to lose this game. I bet you know that frustration. I'd like you to consider letting go, putting down the rope. Especially if it's a one-on-one tug-of-war. You and one other person at home. You and one other person at work or at school. A friend. Some dynamic that's you and one other person. And you're tired of pulling on the rope. Give it to them. Just let them have the rope. And let them believe they won. In fact, you could even say to them, you win. I don't want to play this game anymore. Here's the rope. You can even have the rope and declare yourself the winner of this game, if only I don't have to pull anymore. And how many of our struggles in life, how many of our battles come from the simple built-in reaction to oppose what's unknown, to resist it because it's scary or confusing, to refuse to accept the reality of the situation in which you find yourself because you just don't want to face the fear. Take some ownership. Face the fear even if it's just a little bit at a time. Face a few little fears. Take some baby steps in the direction of unmasking what seems to haunt you, of taking a second lingering look at something you keep turning away from, of pulling on what you consider to be your faith, religious, spiritual, philosophical, 
and finding the strength to look a little longer at the very things that have always frightened you. And I promise you, amazing things happen. An interplay of shadow and light in which you will realize how empty the shadow is and that you are the light that vaporizes that ignorance. So look closely at your struggles inside. And which one would you like to subside? Which one would you like to create being less each day? Which struggle would you most like to make go away? And explore. Take one step more. And the more you feel, the more you heal, and the more the struggle subsides. Just focus on feeling just a little more inside. Whatever it is, wherever you go, wherever you shine that light, whatever you explore that hurts inside, whatever you deny or fight, shine the light. Feel the pain or anger or fear within. Just feeling it, just feeling a little more of it allows the healing to begin. Just feeling a little bit more of it and the healing does begin. Think of yourself as a runner in some field and track event like the Olympics. And you're getting down into those blocks, into that special crouch that the sprinters use. Even some of the longer-distance runners will push out of these starting blocks. And as you put your feet into the blocks, you can't help but notice, written on the starting blocks is the word acceptance. And you tell yourself, this is where I begin, and this is easy to remember. Learning acceptance in your life is not throwing in the towel and giving up. Quite the contrary. Learning acceptance is feeling, this is where I push off from. To a swimmer, it would be the feel of the wall as he or she turns pushes off that wall and goes for another lap. That's acceptance. It's here I begin to get better and better and better every day in every way. That's easy to remember. So expect that you'll easily remember it as we, in a moment, bring you into the waking state, I'd like you to remember the room that you're about to see in a moment when you open your eyes, reorient yourself. Take another slow, deep breath, filling your lungs with strength and power as you hold. And as you exhale, just as slowly, 
relax even more deeply as you open your eyes now, wide awake, alert, refreshed, and rested, feeling fine, and hopefully having a real good understanding of what we mean by acceptance as a place to begin, for resistance is futile. Acceptance doesn't mean that I'm settling for it always being like this. Acceptance means I'm willing to free myself of the resistance to this thing so I can change it. It's only when I accept what is that I can change and make something else. It's if I resist what is, it persists. When I resist what is, I stay focused on what is, and you go where you look, and that's what you're going to get. So it seems paradoxical. It seems like if I don't want something, I should resist it. But resist it causes you to continue to hold on to it. It's well, an amazing paradox. If you ignore is, all you're left with is was and will be. Right? Past and future. Neither of which really exists. Nothing so. going on, really, in any of those places. So, what is, is est. That's what est actually meant. Not only Earhart seminar training, but in Latin, it is. It, is. it just it is. is. So, dig it. Yeah. Hey, and you might not like what is, but it's resisting it that causes it to stay here. So, let go of resisting it, accept it as is, not as what will be, but as is. And then we can recreate our future. Yep. And look for the opportunity that's buried in the midst of what always looks dark and horrible and you'd rather avoid it for sure. There's always a silver lining in that dark cloud. You can always uh, add a little sugar to lemons and make lemonade. And so you got to consider that what at first blush might look like a curse really could be a, a blessing in disguise. Like sending these programs to your friends free of charge. How's that for a segue? Mm -hmm. Use the gadget at FocusedPassion.com. It's built in right under the player. And forward these programs as many times as you want to as many of your friends as you'd like. Especially if you're reminded of a particular individual or group of people that you know as a result of listening to this program or that program. These shows are not copyrighted, and there is no charge for subscribers to forward the programs. So you pay 99 cents a week, you own the show, we'll even help you send links to all of your friends. So Focused Passion, remember the ED, it's the W's.FocusedPassion.com. And any parents you know that have kids in school, make sure you send them to that site because they can pick up all those free programs called the Family Learning Hour on reading, study, memory, and test-taking skills that kids so desperately require. And so be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. For Steve Snyder, this is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui. Yeah.